So um, I, I, I'd like to activate the chat feature a little bit more today uh, for a couple of reasons. One, it's a chance to be Pentecostal without the social awkwardness. So uh, if you've never had the chance to do that, maybe it's a chance to be a little bit less uh, European dominant too, which would be awesome. Um, here's like a vocabulary for chat that you could um, you could use. You could say amen. You could say say it. You could say uh-huh. That's spelled U-H-H-U-H. You could say that's right. And then if the person who's speaking is struggling, instead of saying this is idiotic, you say help him, Lord. Help him, Lord. So amen, say it, uh-huh, that's right, and help him, Lord. And then also you can be spontaneous and say other things. Um, and I would like to ask, I'm trying to get more um, upbeat mood lifting songs into my life. So uh, Oceana's 21 and she put me on to, um, what was it? Uh, I'll Be There by Jess Gline. And so I use that now. I hooked it up to Alexa or whatever. And when I wake up in the morning, I listen to that and it helps you wake up better. But I'm thinking she's 21. Like, She's already kind of ancient, and and the people who really know the good the good hot you know upbeat tunes are under 21. So if you're under 21, I would just beg you in the chat if you'd put like your favorite upbeat you know song, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make some kind of list out of it and listen to them. And I'm going into death metal anything um, to energize me in the morning. So there you go. Um, so um, the people, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a look at Psalm 124 from a little bit more personal um, perspective today. The people of Israel went through a lot of; uh, they endured many epic bad situations, shall we say, and they forged a strategy for dealing with these bad situations that they went through together. And it was this: when facing a current crisis, remember a past deliverance. When you're in facing a current crisis, remember a past deliverance. So the Psalms, the prayer book of the Bible, were compiled while the people of Israel were actually in Babylonian exile. Uh, that's Iraq. It was a bad situation for them. And that's actually when the stories of a much earlier deliverance from bondage in Egypt were preserved. And Psalm 124 is a reflection of that. Uh, give a listen. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say or admit. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side when our enemies attacked us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth, we have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. So when the people were uh, under Roman occupation, that's roughly the Newer Testament period, they're telling the story of the overthrow of the Seleucid Empire under the Maccabees. The Maccabees were a group of Jewish rebel warriors who established a period of independence before Rome eventually came down. That's when Hanukkah became a festival and the lighting of the menorah representing the tree of life in the holy of, in the in the temple. 
in the current crisis, remember a previous deliverance. So I, I just naturally, my memory migrated. I think I shared it um, about a month ago of my Gammy who lived through World War I, the 1918 flu epidemic, her father marrying her best friend after her mother died, the Great Depression, her, my grandpa leaving for another woman during the Great Depression, coming back, World War II, threat of nuclear holocaust. And I've been like leaning into, uh, as I remember that, I'm leaning into like ancestral strength and wisdom that I didn't even know I had. And uh, in that process, I've been realizing, well, I've been through some harrowing situations where I could legitimately say, if the Lord had not been on our side, eh, maybe nothing like my gammy, but in, in the ballpark. So I want to show you, um, I share just a few of them with you today with uh, some pictures. Uh, the first is from uh, me and, and my late wife, Nancy, and our firstborn in January 1971. If you can throw that up on the, on the screen. Yeah, now this would be a time that you could you could put something in the chat, you know, um, that'd be awesome. Like that's me in my, my John Lennon uh, knockoff phase. I don't know if you noticed the beads. That's Nancy um, and that's Jesse. That, that would have been taken like in January, 1971. I would have been, I still would, we still would have been 18 years old at that time at the University of Michigan, uh, married student housing. And now a second picture, um, this would be about 19 months later in November, 1972. Now we got, that's Maya I'm holding, that's our second born. We're, I think we're, I think we might've been 20 at that stage. What were we thinking? Having two kids at age 20. Children do not do this at home. And you, you may notice that we look a little bit more worn a little bit more haggard um uh five months before this picture was taken my father had a very uh, serious suicide attempt he survived it thank god i have been laid off from my teamsters job in detroit um i drive into work uh, part-time and a pretty good job i got a new part-time job what was my new part-time job at age 20 I was working the suicide prevention hotline for the um, the community mental health center at age 20. What, what, if the Lord had not been on our side, I, I can say that, I made it through that. Um, this picture also represents the period when I came out of atheism into faith through a church in Southwest, uh, Southwest Detroit called Messiah Church at Toledo and uh, West Grand Boulevard. Um, and you can take that. Oh, that's enough looking at me um, when I was young. <laughs> um, so just after, um, just after we canceled the March 15th service, we were talking about this before uh, when we were gathering before many of you showed up this morning. Um, I think it's like four, day 47 of, of uh, the, isol the quarantine period in our, in our little pod here. We went into lockdown um, and um, and it was just after we had canceled the March 15th service, somebody said the last time a lot of kids went to school was Friday the 13th, ding, ding, ding. It was, it was, um, it was at night, I had settled in, I was just, and I had my, like my first freak out moment when the enormity of what was happening kind of hit me and I could just feel that 
kind of swelling anxiety coming over me. And I went with like some, some like, oh my God, desperation into my little night prayer routine. And I'm laying there and I, and I had this feeling of, oh man, I, I need there to be a God like right now. And then I came to like a blessed realization. Um, I, I shared this with Emily uh, like the day after it happened. Um, and it was it, the, the realization was like, you know, after years of sorting and deconstructing various toxic forms of religion that I didn't get into until after that picture uh, you saw, the 1972 picture was there. After really years of deconstructing and discerning and throwing certain things out and uh, things that I had picked up along the way in my renewalist Christianity experiences, I just became aware that there was a core of what brought me to faith at that period in that picture in 1972 that like remained beneath the rubble of deconstruction, if that makes sense. Um, and, and if I were to put what that was in words, it would be, I can bet my life that God exists. Like that's not a bad bet to make. I can bet my life that love is, is like real. And that, I mean, it's substantial, it's real. It's a, it's a power in the universe and that love wins somehow. Uh, I had the sense of, I can't shake the conviction that the Jesus vision of God is compelling to me. Like, it doesn't have to be compelling to everyone, but I knew it's compelling to me. And then I can trust my core intuitions and my direct experience of God. Like over the decades, I, I realized that I can trust my core intuitions and my direct experience of God. So it's like in the current crisis, remember the past deliverance. Um, you know, the past deliverance that led to the founding of Blue Ocean has been coming back to me. And it's, it's been a sweetness to it because it's not the traumatic aspects, but the wisdom that comes through the God experience as you're being delivered that you don't really appreciate until after you've been delivered, if that makes sense. So there's wisdom that comes to us, there's God experience that comes to us as we're being delivered that we don't fully appreciate until after we've been delivered. So that's later that you end up saying, if the Lord had not been on our side then. So in the, in the fall of 2014, point of maximum disruption, I won't bore you with the details. I'm in this phase of like dizzying disorientation uh, because of massive personal and professional change. And I was trying to do in my mind, I was trying to do like a, like a post-mortem, try to make sense of it. Like, where did I go wrong? How could I have avoided this? Kind of like, I think of like a political party might do after losing an election. And then this blessed moment came to me and it was, it, the feeling was like there was a coach I admired, an older person put their hand on my shoulder. I didn't feel the hand on my shoulder. I had that feeling though that you would have if that were happening. And I heard like clear as a bell inside my head, you did the best you could. And I realized that's all I needed to know. I did the best I could. That doesn't mean I did great. That didn't mean I, you know, it meant though I did the best I could. 
And then I remembered around that period, I remembered what we did as uh, kids in Detroit and we called it frying a marble, frying a marble. You can, you can fry a marble. So I actually found a marble, um, a large marble and I, I, I fried it. Now you may ask, how do you fry a marble? Um, you might also ask, why would you fry a marble? Well, here's how you fry a marble. You, you put the marble, um, here's, here's an example of the marble. You can, you can see that. That's a big, large honker marble. Um, we had some name for it, I can't remember. Um, you put the marble in, in some ice water and then you boil a pan of water on the stove and once that water is rolling boil and that marble has been soaking in the ice water, um, you put the marble into the, um, into the boiling water. I, I don't know if this is dangerous and you shouldn't do it, but we did it. And we also played with the jackknives and stuff like, so consult a physician before you do this. So, and what happens when you do that is that the marble cracks on the inside. So I'll try to show it to you. I don't know if you can see the, that the, can you see the way the marble has cracked on the inside? And I was thinking about it. Well, it cracks according to pre-existing vulnerabilities in the underlying molecular structure of the marble. Are you engineers following? Can I get like a, say it from a few engineers in the crowd? It, it, it cracks according to the pre-existing vulnerabilities of the underlying molecular structure of the marble that were not apparent until the intense external pressure of that heat change in a short period of time applied. So as you think about what you're going through now, whatever pressures you're dealing with now probably are revealing some pre-existing vulnerabilities. Like in the, whatever the dynamics of your family are, whatever your emotional makeup is, the, the, the things that you're struggling with now probably are, are revealing some pre-existing vulnerabilities that just the, the external pressure is, is magnifying. And I, I think the fried marble to me is like a picture of our human frailty under pressure. Um, but it's also, to me, it's a picture of, of like the beauty and the strength of our vulnerability. Like, what does it mean to be beautiful as a vulnerable human being? Well, it, it looks kind of like this. Like the fried marble, I think, is more beautiful than the pre-existing intact marble. What's that beauty? Well, um, it's got these fault lines indicating these vulnerabilities, indicating imperfections that appear under intense pressure. But for all that, the marble's intact. You know, like it, it actually held together through that intense external pressure. It's, it's there, it's, it's still a marble. And in fact, it's, it's more beautiful as a fried marble. So to me, it, it like inspires compassion for myself and compassion for us as we're going through this. Um, we're not beautiful in spite of our fault lines and vulnerabilities. We're beautiful because of them. And that's what it is to be a human being. It's our, it's our current vulnerabilities that will allow us to say when the crisis is past, 
if the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel admit, if the Lord had not been on our side, they would have swallowed us alive. So for our little reflection time, um, put my marble down, three things. One is I just uh, suggest you try to remember, or maybe something's already come to mind as I've been talking. Remember a time when you or an ancestor or your extended family or some larger human enterprise that you were a part of went through a really hard time and came through it. I try to call to mind a time when either you personally or an ancestor or your extended family or something you were part of um, went through a really hard time in the past and then came through it on, and you're on the other side of it now. So let's just uh, take a minute of relaxed, deeper breathing than usual. Um, you know, like in through the nose, out through the mouth. I feel like I've been learning to breathe <laughs> for the first time in my life during this. In through the nose, out through the mouth at your own pace. And maybe if you want to put your hand over your heart, that, that can help sometimes. And then just uh, let something come to mind. Maybe something has already come to mind. Yeah. Um, that the spirit wants to activate your memory of a time that you've been through a past deliverance. We'll just sit with that for another minute. Just be with that. Try to remember that feeling of relief of having gone through it, a sense of gratitude that you might have experienced, maybe the realization that you're actually okay, that you had more resilience than you ever thought going into it. Maybe even some of the unexpected wisdom that you gained through it that have strengthened you in your core. Okay, that's good. Well done. Um, the second thing is just a little piece of like advice is that while you're going through this epic ordeal, I'd encourage you to like pay attention to what your experience is. Um, um, think about like um, 10 years from now, what are you going through now that you might want to pass on to, to people who haven't, who didn't get a chance to go through what we're going through now, um, whatever the future next big thing is. And, you know, maybe, maybe journal or jot down some notes on a calendar. I've got at the bedside, I keep this little, this little notebook and I just, things occur to me and I, I jot them down. That's when those things occur to me. Um, but keep track, pay attention to what's going on now. There's there's things happening now that you'll you'll look back on later. And then let's just close by hearing the words from um, Psalm 124 um, one last time. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now admit, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when our enemies attacked us, 
then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Amen. Take it over, Cassie.